Welcome to another episode of On the Brain. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to move countries to pursue academia? Keep listening to hear Dr. Julia Canet Pons' advice, perspective, and academic journey spanning three countries. So my name is Sierra and I recently completed my master's in Tuan Trang's lab and in today's episode I have invited Dr. Julia Kennett-Pons to discuss her journey through academia across countries. Our goal for this episode is to start a conversation about how she successfully pursued graduate school internationally. I'd also like to ask about any advice she has for trainees at the HBI who are interested in international experience or those who have already made the transition. So thank you, Julia, for being open to discussing your experiences and insights, and I'm really excited to hear about your journey. Thank you so much for your invitation. I'm really excited to be here. So um, just getting started, can you describe your journey through academia from the beginning to where you are now? Sure. So I am originally from Spain, Menorca. It's an island in the Mediterranean. I moved to Barcelona to go to university because, well, there's no university in Menorca. Um, I did my undergrad in biochemistry, moved to a master's also in the same university in molecular biotechnology. I did my thesis, my master's thesis in a lab looking at GPCR, like the G-protein coupled receptors interactions, and I work with Parkinson samples. So I got kind of interested in neuroscience at that point, although it was heavy on the molecular side, which I think it's something I took with me in all my journey, during all my journey. Um, then I moved to a different type of position. I was a lab manager and researcher at the Center for Genomic Regulation. So I was working for a lab that studied evolution. Um, still linked to neuroscience somehow, but from an evolutionary point of view, which it was very interesting to me. And it also allowed me to get a lot of new skills, like English was a big one, because out of university um, in Catalonia or in Spain, like, my English was pretty bad. So with 25 years old, I think that that's when I can say I learned to speak English. And through that opportunity, it kind of opened the door to me to pursue a PhD. And for that, I decided to move abroad. Um, I stayed inside Europe, which is relatively easy for Europeans to move around. Um, and I, um, I went to Germany. So I, when I was looking for, this, for a PhD position, I just wanted to be still in neuroscience, somehow related to neurodegenerative disorders, not necessarily linked to evolution anymore. And I found a lab that was focusing on neurogenetics, and that's where I moved, in Frankfurt. Um, I completed my PhD in three years, working in ataxias, uh, ALS, and Parkinson's too. And then I decided to move to Canada because my husband is from Edmonton and he convinced me to come here. Um, and yeah, that's kind of a little bit like the way I did everything until coming here, I switch fields again. I'm working with pain and opioids now. I'm mainly interested in how, 
how a long-term opioid exposure changes brain connectivity and how to avoid these changes to make opioids safer for patients who need them to manage pain. Um, I'm at Twan Trang's lab, like Sierra here. And yeah, really, that's I think about it. That's awesome. Thanks for summarizing your journey. And I can't wait to kind of explore more in depth the different stages and different transitions that you made. So it sounded like it would be a really brave transition to move from Spain to Germany to pursue a PhD. Was there anything that helped increase your confidence to do this? Yeah, I think that my time as a lab manager and researcher really, really extremely helped me and increased my confidence and being able to do a PhD because it's, it's kind of a complicated, very challenging part of my journey. Um, so I was a lab manager research, researcher for almost three years and then decided to finally pursue a PhD. I really thought about it. <laughs> yeah, it's a big choice to then go on and do a PhD. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it sounds like you're glad that you had that time to kind of build that confidence. Yeah, and also the techniques. I learned like more confident in a lab, in a new lab, because I did my undergrad and master thesis in the same lab. So transitioning into a different lab, establishing collaborations, it just made me feel so much more ready to pursue a PhD right. than just finishing master's and going into, into that seemed like a very big thing for me. So I'm curious about what motivated this decision to move from Spain to Germany, because that was a big first transition. Was it Germany as a country that motivated you, or was there a lab there that um, really fit your needs? It was, it was a mix of things. So Germany has a really good reputation. There's all the Max Planck Institutes, et cetera. So it is a strong country for research in Europe, and that was one of the reasons why I started to look in Germany. And then I found labs that I was interested in, and finally found the lab I ended up. So it's not, it's not just the country, it was also finding the lab that interested me. I, I was pretty much open to go to any other country. I think that my initial decision was I want to do a PhD, and I want to do it somewhere else. So it must be quite intimidating to think of that process of finding a PI in another country. And that, for me, I think would be quite challenging, even just meeting someone over Zoom. So do you have any advice for students when they're looking for a PI in a different country than them that they will never have met that PI in person before? Yeah, so when we look at labs that we want to go, you usually have an idea of the field or the research topic we want to be in. And I find that as a young uh, scientist, I was very easily impressed by publications, right? You see these labs with these big publications, and you're like, oh, I really want to go there. Um, but like, maybe take a step back and really think this is going to be huge for your career. You're putting your career in the hands of someone else and your success heavily depends on this person and your interaction with this person is going to determine a lot of things. So take the time to see the lab culture. Maybe, you know, have a Zoom call with the PI, 
ask about it, try to reach out to other lab members, ask about it, see, get a gouge of how things are done around there. And if people's happy or not, the opportunities they are offered, et cetera, and don't just get blind by the cool publications. That's really good advice. Thanks. Um, what would be an example, just to elaborate further, of some of the questions you would recommend to gauge culture over a Zoom call where it might be hard to read people's emotions? Yeah, I think that something that I personally look for is a collaborative environment. So knowing you know, an idea of how the projects are running the lab, if other people helps other people, and like these type of things, how how is outside the lab? Do they get together? Do they do things together, activities, etc.? I think that that's very important. Another important thing um, that might sound funny, but if there's international people in a lab and you're moving to a different country, that's a great sign. Because someone else already moved there and they're, if they're happy there, that, you know, that gives you a good idea. And when you talk with the PI, get a feeling like if you can really talk to that person, if there's chemistry, if there's like some things are not quite going together that maybe you should talk with other people, like not, yeah, just talk with different PIs and not only one, that's what I meant. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that those are it's so valuable to hear from your experience because those are not something that would completely come to my mind right away. So really, really cool factors. How did you adjust to the culture in a new country? Okay, so adjusting to a new culture, it, it really depends on like you're from where you are, like, right? Um, when I moved to Germany, that was a pretty, like it was a shock for me just because they're like so much colder than people in Spain, right? And it's not necessarily something bad, it's something that you're moving to a different country, you are the one who have to, has to adapt. Um, they won't adapt to you, right? That has no, no sense. So you really need to try and try to find the little things that you like. Each country will have things that you don't like, and that's okay, because your own country might have things that you don't like, but there, there's good things all the time, and you will definitely meet people along the journey. So don't be afraid of reach out to people and try to make connections and friendship, because I think that's the biggest factor for you adapting to a new place is to get a, to have a bit of a community around you, and not only in the lab but outside, because sometimes kind of need a break. So it's good to have something else going on, like some other hobbies, if you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually really brings up another question is how did you actively build a community in the new countries that you moved to? Yeah. So when I arrived to Germany, I focused so much on work, um, so much. And then I realized that I was getting a little burnout. Um, and I decided to start climbing. Actually, a friend in the lab was like, hey, do you want to go rock climbing? I'm like, sure, I've never done that, but let's try. And I started rock climbing, which opened, you know, a new, new people to meet and new things to do on the weekends, which is, it's really good. Um, initially, I was climbing just in a gym, and then eventually during summer, I was actually rock climbing. 
Um, and after that, I decided to also start swing dancing, which surprisingly, a lot of expats in Frankfurt, this, they love swing dancing. So I'm like, this is great. I'm just going to learn to dance swing. It's fine. <laughs> so yeah, since I moved here, I kind of stopped doing that. But it was great for building a community. And people is very eager to also create ba- uh, bonds between if you're coming from another country and, you know, there's a lot of expats, you just need to find that community and Germans will mix with them. So that was great. That's so awesome. I love to hear those kind of unique hobbies that you came across. Um, just for people that might not be familiar with the term expats, what does that mean? Um, so I don't really know what it stands for now, but basically um, you're coming from a different country. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I'm not really, I can't remember off the top of my head, but just good to kind of get a sense of that for people who aren't familiar. Um, so uh, something that you mentioned before that um, learning English really gave you the confidence. So how did you approach language barriers when you arrived in Germany as far as learning that language on top of having to do everything in English? Yeah, it's kind of an interesting question because the first year I tried to learn German and I gave up because <laughs> it's really complicated. I think that I reached the conclusion that I didn't want to stay in that country forever and I was good enough with English. I could do things. So my German was very, very basic, like supermarket, restaurant, restaurant type of basic. And I didn't really learn that much. I found that Germans speak excellent English. They do not have problems understanding English at all. So that was that was great. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think that probably would take the pressure off of some people hearing that, thinking like, oh, I need to um, work full-time in a lab and then learn another language at night. Depending on the country that you move to, that might not be the case. Yeah, and I find that if you're in an academic um, environment, everyone needs to speak English. So you may find, like if you're a native English speaker, you may find that a lot of people come to you like, hey, you want a coffee? Let's go chat because they want to practice, which can be a really good thing too. Oh, cool. That's really interesting. Um, So would you be able to describe in your experience some of the differences between academia in Europe and Canada? So... North America, I think, in general, is more focused on like awards and there's like teaching involved. It's a very different system. Um, Europe is so much more focused on research. Like you're there, you're doing your hours in the lab. If you get good publications or like good results, you can go to conferences and that's where you present your results. But you're not, you don't have to um, teach. Um, there's not a lot of award competitions. There's none run in my university when I did my bachelor's and master's, nothing, which makes a huge difference when you're moving, you, when you're switching f- between continents, because here then the CVs are like so big and long, while in Europe they're like s- kind of more like shorter. And what people look at is publications. That's in a way good for people moving from here, Canada, to Europe, because then they see all these awards and it's like, oh, wow, this person is really, you know, like, it's really good. 
Um, but when you're moving here, that's a bit of a handicap. Okay, that's really interesting. So it must have felt a little bit like a disadvantage when you were moving here. But, you know, from my perspective, you've, you know, succeeded and, you know, had a really successful time here. So what, how did you prepare yourself for success in Canada? And how did that differ from preparing for success when you um, moved in Europe? So moving here, you really need to, you really need to adapt to whatever is done here. You need to look at how can I improve my CV, try to get some of these awards, um, reach out to get opportunities for teaching, for, you know, running a workshop, whatever. Like, you really need to put yourself out there and, yeah, kind of build your CV with the North American standards, let's say, and not just focus on your research. That That's kind of the dynamic that I was coming with. And when you're moving from here to Europe, what you could find, I don't know if you can generalize all Europe, but is that there's a stronger focus on research. So if you're really used to, I don't know, like uh, workshops and activities that are run in the university, like get togethers and so on, it might not happen as often as you think, and you will be expected to really be at the lab. That's uh, the different, I would say, that I experience at least. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you really have to advocate for yourself as soon as you arrive here to really build your CV and to get yourself those opportunities because they won't just be handed yeah. to you. Yeah, and that makes a difference for being competitive for fellowships. Gotcha. That's a really important point. So Um, Something else that I find really unique about your experience is how you changed fields multiple times. What do you think helped you do that successfully? So, I mean, I always stayed somehow in the neuroscience field. Um, When, like, the younger you are, the less um, caged you are. Like, I don't know, like, um, how do you say it? Yeah, like, you can really switch from one thing to another and people will not really question why you're doing because in a way you're like just discovering things right and as you like progress on your career then you really define your skill set so for me switching between all these different fields it felt it was it was great because it gives you a different perspective like different ways of asking questions or things that interest you that other people in that specific field will not think about because they didn't have another experience. So in a way, it's really good because, yeah, it's a different way of thinking that you're bringing something fresh. But on the other hand, you're not as an expert as everyone else. So that means you have to really put a lot of time into gathering knowledge every time that you switch which can be a little overwhelming. But if you're doing a PhD, even a master's, like you're learning to digest information. That's what you're trained for. So it's not, it shouldn't be something we are scared of. I think it should be something we are more in, like looking forward to, mm-hmm. to try to bring different fields together. And like, yeah, I think that that's important. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really cool point because 
I remember being earlier on in my career and thinking, I need to know exactly what I'm going to pursue this whole time. And everyone around me seems like they know exactly what they want to study. But really, you're saying the opposite is explore around, find out what you like. And even if you ended up end up switching later on, you might actually offer a different perspective in the final situation that you end up in. And that's something that I really admire because you bring such a molecular biology standpoint in our lab and it really stands out against people who have just pursued neuroscience their entire degree program. And so I think that's a really cool point for people to not not be so siloed in one field. It really depends on what you want to do, right? If you really like that specific thing, go for it. Yeah. But if you want to experience different fields, you can also do that. Cool. Um, so what advice would you give to HBI t- trainees that might be listening who just moved to Canada? Um, oh, that's <laughs> a hard one. Uh, I think that don't be afraid to reach out. Um, I, I think people just crave interaction. So don't be afraid of reaching out. It might be a little tiring at times because you may feel that you're the only one reaching out all the time but it's good like you will will eventually build your community don't yeah don't worry about it and if you need help look into other labs other people who are working in different things but a technique that you're interested in if you reach out they will 100 percent reply so yeah i think that that's what I would tell them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I find that HBI is super collaborative and anyone that I've reached out to has been super responsive and really keen to help. And just kind of speaking on that same note, when you moved to Germany, did you find that you looked for people that were, or connected with people more that were from like Menorca or from Mallorca or Catalonia and kind of stick with them for a while? Or did you find that you kind of made friends with everyone and um, kind of created a diverse group? So at the beginning, I met two girls that were from Barcelona area and that really, really helped me. But after that, I just started meeting people from everywhere. Had a really good friend from Malaysia, um, a lot of, well, Turkish people there because they live they're pretty much Germans, but um, yeah, and North Americans too. I think that we tend to go to what we know, but that doesn't mean that we just need, that we will limit ourselves to that. Right. And it's, it's an amazing experience to meet people from all over the world and just have dinner with them and just talk about their experiences. So I feel very fortunate about that. Totally, that's super cool. Um, so what advice would you give, on the other hand, to HBI trainees who would like to move to Europe to pursue academia after doing their training in Canada? Um, I will definitely encourage them to do that. It's International experience is good. I think experience something different from North American culture is good. It opens, your, like, it opens you to think in different ways. Um, you will be surprised. It, there's a lot of changes. It's very different from here. Things are kind of, there's more rules, I think, but you can, you get to walk to your grocery store every day, so you don't have huge fridges, which sounds funny, but I really like the idea of getting your groceries <laughs> fresh. <laughs> um, 
I just don't be afraid of doing it. Explore, look which country might interest you, look which labs are interesting to you, talk to people, um, and don't desist. Like you may not get response from everyone, but I guarantee that a lot of people will reply because it's, yeah, it's a great opportunity. That sounds really exciting. It makes me want to go to Europe now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so looking back to uh, from where you are now, if you could give advice to yourself uh, when you were at the beginning of your master's in Spain, what would you say? I think it would tell me to slow down and not worry too much. I think I put a lot of pressure on myself because, yeah, it would. I think what you said, like I should have absolutely everything figured out. I need a plan, a strategic plan. This is going to be my life and that's it. I think, yeah, slowing down, just enjoying the moment and learning because learning is an amazing thing. And we're very lucky to be able to learn something new every day. Not all professions have that, yeah, that luck. So yeah, just enjoy, slow down. Thank you so much. I, I find it so valuable to get your perspective and it's such a unique journey that you've been on. And something that I really like that you've said is that you know, we're so focused on academia, but how much richer we c- our lives could be if we pursue other opportunities like this and not to limit ourselves too much. So, you know, that being said, is there anything that you'd like to add or anything we missed? Um, I think that we haven't missed anything. I just wanted to tell everyone to, if they're looking for an international experience, to go ahead, to enjoy it. And it's going to be good for your academic CV, but it's also going to be good for your life. So, yeah, just enjoy everything. Thank you so much, Julia, for coming on the show. I really appreciate your um, really amazing insight. And I think it'll be really helpful to people interested in this um, kind of options and this kind of journey. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And if anyone wants to reach out to me, please feel free to do so. I love to talk to all of you.